Welcome to the Wicked Wallflowers Club. I'm Jenny Nordback. And I'm Sarah Hawley. And this week we are back with another babbling episode of what we've been reading and what we've been up to because you guys responded so positively to that last time. But this time we decided we'd bring a friend along. So we have Maureen Lee the romance columnist for Entertainment Weekly, joins us to also share what she's been reading. And before we do that, we thought we would give you some life updates. And Sarah has the really big life update that she's super excited about. And I'm going to explode if we don't get to share it. So Sarah... Yeah, so you know how I've been talking periodically about like, oh, I'm in my querying journey um, and how sort of long and prolonged that's been. Well, I got an agent! Yay! Um, it's it's so exciting. I'm smiling so big. My agent is Shauna McCarthy. She is great. She has a Hugo for editing because she used to edit um, Isaac Asimov's science fiction magazine. She edited the Realms of Fantasy magazine. And she is just a delight to talk to and she's really excited about my like sexy fairy novel which is great so yeah that's the big news for me um I guess we'll be going on submission shortly and then hopefully seeing what comes of it uh and it's it's just like it's such big news that's kind of eclipsed everything else in my life right now um I did also do a writing competition called Rev Pit the revised resubmit competition and that was for a different book that was for a YA novel where um, it got selected by a professional editor who then worked with me for a few weeks and then polished it and then put it up. So now I have another book that we'll see what to do with it. Uh, and there was like an agent showcase and all of that. So it's it's just been a bunch of really good news over the last couple of weeks. Like everything hit all at once and I'm just really excited. Yay. I'm super excited too. We've been having screaming phone calls back and forth and text messages with lots of all caps. <laughs> um, and... I don't have anything near that big. Um, you like went off the grid for weeks at a time. I did. So we went camping for a month up in the Pacific Northwest. We made our way from Seattle back down to LA, just camping our way uh, and with the kids and basically turned my children feral. Like we would just kind of kick them out of the camper and be like, go, well, not the newborn, obviously, but. <laughs> Fend for yourself, child. <laughs> we're Spartan here um yeah my two-year-old just threw rocks and sticks and played in rivers and climbed in the trees and it was just really nice to get that like I mean I think online everyone calls it like childhood unplugged but yeah just let him he didn't need toys or anything like he just wanted to go play outdoors and uh, it was really it was a refreshing month it was bizarrely difficult not to have wi-fi for a lot of it like i mean obviously not being able to connect with the maniacs that i love on twitter and everyone else but also just little things like you know you're in a dispute over some random fact in the evening and you can't look it up and prove the other person wrong so is this a thing you and chris do a lot I, no, not at all. Neither of us are competitive and have to be right all the time. <laughs> Wait, which one of you tends to be the most right? Is it you? I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> I mean, it depends what it is, but it's probably a good mixture. No, we're pretty good. But even just like wondering things or like wanting to go do something and not being able to look up like the opening hours. And we didn't have a phone signal for a lot of it either. So we'd have to like, or it, doing podcast stuff, I would have to like text Sarah you know like I've just gotten a signal I'm heading to town so that I can get some wi-fi and then we'd go back out into the woods and disappear for a couple of days so it was refreshing it was really nice and now we're just back at 
at work and momming and not sleeping a whole lot. Um, my newborn was like doing pretty well on the sleep front for a little while there. And now I think we're maybe coming up on the four month sleep regression because she's just like up every hour or two at night and it's kind of brutal. So I will get through it. I got through it once before. And I guess my other news is I'm really excited. We're going to Denver for RWA. So we will be seeing hopefully some of you in person. And if you're going to be there, let us know if we haven't already connected with you about it. And yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Um, my only other news, I guess we're talking travel. This was a little bit ago, but I went to Guatemala, which was great. Uh, I have a friend who runs a dig down there. It's El Zotes. They're known for doing uh, what's called LIDAR to, you know, map the jungle so that you can try and find sites. And so it got a lot of press. It got some National Geographic press. And so he invited us to come down and see his site, uh, which we unfortunately did not get to do because there was a delay in getting the permit. So he took us around to like Tikal and Yasha and all these other beautiful, wonderful sites. And it was just incredible. Um, So it was just a week, but it was really, really great. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm jealous. I haven't been to a site in a little while. But yeah. And oh, so the other thing that you guys were really great about last time we did an episode like this is we asked for some recommendations and boy, did you deliver. We're still working our way through a lot of them. But because we have the attention span of rats and need to have all the things all the time, we're both looking for some new recommendations. Uh, I am looking for I don't even, I'm sure it's a thing and you guys would know of all people, but I want some historical romance that is older than, like definitely older than Regency, maybe some medieval, but like well done medieval. Or if someone has like ancient world, I would be all about it. Like ancient Greece, Spartans, something I would be super excited. And the Renaissance, like the high Renaissance would be high on my list as well. If you've got some borgias or some medicis or something like that then bring it let me know if if any of you have a good recommendation there and sarah what are you looking for uh i'm always looking for sci-fi and fantasy i loved vivian jackson's wanted and wired and it's just something you don't that was cyberpunk and you don't see a lot of that in mainstream romance so if there's anything like that that's a little off the beaten path in the genre fiction area please send it to me um i don't know if there's anything like really saucy like i want enemies to lovers always and forever so just keep throwing your enemies to lovers recommendations at me um and i do i do want them to be pretty saucy awesome and sarah's had a lot of caffeine so i feel like she just ran vivian jackson together was the (laughs) other name she just said oh my god i'm literally shaking right now because um i had a third cup of coffee and i'm like trembling like a a tiny dog right now Uh, so sorry about that vivian jackson I want science fiction and fantasy and saucy enemies to lovers. And I'm going to give the mic back to Jenny before I do something irresponsible with it. It is reminding me of when we interviewed Alyssa Cole and Alicia Riot was on the same day and they had just gone to get some kind of Vietnamese coffee that was like basically a drug. And they both said they were, yeah, like quivering little dogs, just super amped up. So anyway, without further ado, here is our discussion with Maureen Lee Linker. And you may notice that some of what we talk about sounds a little out of date, and that's because it is. We got some really good interviews, and so we bumped this episode back. So we're basically talking like it is June, which it is no longer, so just ignore that. And this is a snapshot of an earlier time. 
today we have special guest Maureen Lee Linker here with us. Hi guys. <laughs> and you all responded really well to Sarah and I's rambling episode of what we've been reading. So we thought we would do another one to check in with you of what we've been reading, but include Maureen and see what she's been up to in the book world too. Um, as a reminder, Maureen is the romance columnist for Entertainment Weekly and a writer for Entertainment Weekly, and she's also working on her own book. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, my picks today are kind of a mix of things I've read on the side, stuff that was in the May column that just went up this week, though it'll be like two weeks ago when this goes live, <laughs> and then uh, one book that will be in the June column. Yeah, so a nice little mix of, of before and after, I think. <laughs> so when we pulled our list together of things that we wanted to chat about, the one we all had in common was The Kiss Quotient, which mm. was on a recent episode, um, but we thought we all loved it enough that we yeah. would chat about it a little bit more. Uh, Maureen, what was your, your take on it? Well, I just finished it yesterday, actually, and it was one of those books that I could not put down, like had two late nights in a row where mm. I was like, oh, stop after this page, and did not. Um, <laughs> and there was just so much I loved about it. Um, a lot, obviously, is being made in the press, and rightfully so, of the fact that both the author and the heroine are neurodivergent. They're on the spectrum. Um, and I just felt the way that was handled was so sensitive and lovely. And it took this underlying theme of all, not all, but many romance novels where the hero or the heroine help each other see that there's nothing wrong with them, that they're perfect just the way they are. And it's it took autism and, uh, and all of that and fed it into that trope. And I felt that they complemented each other very nicely. Something else I really loved about it was um, she talked in her author's note about wanting to do a reverse Pretty Woman. Mm -hmm. And even though I love Pretty Woman, I also feel like its attitude towards sex work is really problematic. And I felt like the book really went leaps and bounds and improving that like mm. there's a lot less judgment and a lot more frankness about why that's his profession and the enjoyment that he actually derives out of it at certain moments and that's not entirely just this terrible thing he's doing to pay the bills I mean that's like the number one reason but there also is some like personal gratification involved in his profession and I like that yeah I was curious Jenny as someone who's um done sex work not like actual sleeping with people but being a dominatrix okay. um <laughs> just what your you've known a lot more sex workers than I do um what was your perception of that I think I always hate to be critical and I was so charmed by Helen that I am hesitant to even say anything negative, but I think it bears just being frank about it that um, it did feel a little bit like it was clearly someone writing about sex work who doesn't know anything about sex work and that's okay because she doesn't know anything about sex work. But yeah, I mean, I, I think um, the only thing I really took issue with was like the the portrayal of the other female clients mm. was like these are all these like desperate clawing horrible women yeah. who don't necessarily have good motivations for what they're doing and um I always jump to defend clients in that situation mm -hmm. my own or others and yeah you do get negative experiences with clients but I think that I cringed at a few places where I was like oh it's okay to have the bad ones but let's maybe have some of the good ones too mm -hmm. um and yeah just that he did, there were maybe a few mentions of like him enjoying it, but for the most part, it was like this thing he didn't really want to be doing and he was just doing it because he was desperate to pay the bills. 
and I that's fine that is why a lot of people do sex work but I do like seeing a more well-rounded portrayal of that where like they're doing it because damn it they want to do it and Mm -hmm. that's harder in fiction it's something my editors had a hard time with they were like you can't just be doing this because you fucking feel like it (laughs) I was like but that's why I was doing it they were like no but you had to be paying your student loans and I was like I mean I was paying my student loans but I wasn't gonna be like living in a box if I didn't do the sex work they're like no but there there has to be more of a motivation or secret pain the modern public isn't gonna be able to handle it so it's a lot to ask to portray that differently like we've made big steps in being more accepting of sex work but deep down we're not really like if people are like I just want to do it because I fucking like it people are like no that's not okay you've (laughs) got to be desperate so like from a fiction standpoint I totally get why she did what she did and I'm not like offended by it but Mm -hmm. I do think you know if if you ask me point blank (laughs) that's my honest answer to it but I don't have a problem with it and I still love the book and, yeah. you know, can kind of just acknowledge those things and put them to one side without being like, this is problematic. So, yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I stand on it. I think it was more that I just felt like when Pretty Woman was cited, I was like, oh, this is such a vast improvement on yeah. this trope. <laughs> totally. But I don't know how much of that is, frankly, just the gender swap alone yeah. and nothing totally. else, because uh, that could be feeding a lot into it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's it's super sexy and charming. I it ha- like was so heavy on the sex and physical side at first. I was like, I don't know if mm. I'm gonna buy into like the more emotional component of this relationship. But she builds that up so well. Mm-hmm. And Michael, he's no. just like he's so protective, and he uses a sword yeah he's got like sword calluses and he's got like a dragon tattoo that covers his entire body like not his entire body but i mean that would be enough enough the important bits (laughs) (laughs) yeah and one stella just Mm -hmm. she was so authentic and like i wanted to like know her as a real person and Mm -hmm. now that we've talked to helen i sort of feel like i do like (laughs) she just seemed to channel so much of herself into that character yeah and i think that was a stellar character to see in a romance novel because she is um she is neurodivergent and she at first is just disgusted and horrified by the prospect of sex and sort of seeing um, pilot fish I know her thing is like she thought that tongue kissing is like a pilot fish cleaning a shark's Which teeth. Which haven't we all kind of been like, why is <laughs> yeah, your tongue in my mouth? Like, like I know I'm yeah. supposed to like why this, is it but there? like, <laughs> get it out. But then in the right moment, it's like, oh no, I can get behind this. <laughs> yeah, and it's more like her discovery. I, my heart broke for her where she's talking about her previous sexual experiences and thinking there's something wrong with her. And it's like, no, we just needed someone who was willing to take it slow and like make sure you were enjoying it. And just talking about like, it, I was really sad, sad reading the first part where she's like, oh, he's like, did you, did people continue when you were having a panic attack? She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was so heartbreaking. Yeah. Which just made you love Michael that much more yeah. for immediately recognizing it. Yeah. He's such One, Helen, when we asked her about Michael, basically said that she channeled her family into that. Like, that's where the character came from. And mm. it, it was just such a sweet answer mm-hmm. that... I fell in love with him even more. I think another thing I really loved about him, and this goes back to what I was saying about how this character fits so well into a long-standing trope, but in a really unique um, and different and new way, was that he doesn't even realize at first that she's all that different or mm. has this. I mean, he, he knows that he needs to be sensitive and is attuned to those things, but it takes him like half the book and his cousin pointing it out to him for him to notice that. And I, I loved that about him too, that it's just like, what, 
well, she seems normal to me because she is normal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and I'm excited. The second book is Kai. And then she said the third book that she's working on right now is Kwan. So. I can't wait. I cannot wait for that Because he's one. another he one where you're great. like, when he takes her out of the club because yeah. she's overstimulated. And I was just like, oh, this is such a good guy. And oh. I want to know more about him. Yeah. So. It reminded me, did you? It was a very problematic show for a lot of reasons, but I really liked the newsroom, the Aaron Sorkin show. <laughs> I did too. And I was obsessed with John Gallagher Jr.'s character, Jim Harper, yeah. on that. And there's a scene where Allison Pill is having a panic attack, and he is the only one in the newsroom who like cottons on to what's going on and takes her outside and helps her take deep breaths. And it's one of those moments where you're just like, oh my God, they need to be together. Yeah. <laughs> and that scene reminded me of that. Totally. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Okay. We could go on probably for a whole episode about the kiss quotient, but since great. we've just had an episode about it, if you guys want to know more about it, you should go listen to the Helen Huang episode. The other thing, Sarah and I both yeah. read Court, Court of Frost, Frost and Starlight. Starlight. Uh, so that's Sarah J. Moss, and that's this is her bridging novella between the original Court of Thorns and Roses trilogy and the books that are coming after, which kind of seem like they're going to be standalone romances. That's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. Like we're now going to pair off. Yeah, which is, is interesting. Um, I liked it. It's funny. It's it's never going to live up to the trilogy because it is a bridging novella. It's sort of like the Christmas special. Like, literally, it is Christmas. <laughs> and, like, all of these fairies are, like, dealing with PTSD and giving each other presents. Um, and, like, it was good. And I liked seeing that slice of life. But you could definitely tell it's, like, moving the pieces into place so she can yeah. continue. Um, and it looks like... The next book is going to be about Nesta um, and Cassian. And like, I I know people are starting to feel sympathetic to Nesta. And I just think she's awful. <laughs> like, I, like, she needs, she's not redeemable yet for oh, me. I'm down with Nesta. Are you? Yeah. She's such a bitch. Nesta's a bad bitch. She's mean. She's yeah. like, she's mean to her family. She's like, awful to everyone Cassian like buys her a present like throws it in the river okay like, that I mean it's Cassian so don't hurt f- his feelings but she's yeah. so mean to Feyre like trying to like she's like okay I'll take your money so that you can pay my rent but I'm just gonna be awful to you forever and always because I'm just a huge horrible awful person she's deeply flawed and has like had some horrible experiences and yes she's pretty terrible right now but she was pretty terrible she went from into the, beginning. the cauldron and she like stole some shit from yeah, like she's and, like she's powerful i'm yeah. just I'm she's just gonna get there people are like oh this book really redeemed her for me and i was like no did it it didn't no i feel like it dropped her <laughs> off the deep end of yeah. like now she's at the bottom and we're yeah. gonna bring her back up. i do like, like we the had idea to that, kick her a little bit lower first i do like the idea that she's now like this like angry alcoholic yes. just sleeping around with everyone yes. i do like that i was like yeah you're in a dark place girl rocket <laughs> You fuck that guy. <laughs> this sounds very much like Regina from Once Upon a Time, the evil queen. I don't know oh, if you guys oh, ever no, watched I've that. I've only seen like a season of that, but I could already kind of see what you're, yeah, totally. But yeah, yeah I mean, we probably shouldn't say too, too much because we'll spoil the early books. And if anyone hasn't yet read the the court series, you should go do it. Yeah, it's really good. It's um technically YA. It's It's very saucy. It's very epic. There's a lot of like death and things and you know, sexy fairy gentleman. Uh, and the the next books, I'm really curious about where she's going because the, the first trilogy was written from um, Fair's perspective, like first person 
And now it looks like the next ones are going to be third person and more traditional alternating perspectives, which is what's making me think it's going to be romance. Yeah. And I've never seen a series just change like that. Like, okay, we're going to have three young adult fantasy novels and then a bridging novella, and then we're going to pair off into single title romances, which maybe isn't what's going to happen, but kind no, of I think it is. like it. And I like it. Yeah, I I'm like it. Good with it. It actually, I was going to talk about this at the end when we talk about things that we're reading going forward, but um, I think it was Jen Reed's romance who brought up N.K. Jameson. Jemison, 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 mm. And I've just gotten the Inheritance Trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's like sitting on my Kindle and I've read like the first three pages and I'm remembering how hard it is to start one of those like brand new epic series. And I remember mm -hmm. having this same resistance with A Court of Thorns and Roses where like everyone forever was like, it's the greatest thing. You have to read it. (laughs) And it's such a commitment to like jump into a new world and like learn, especially with these fantasy stories, like learn all the mechanics and the world Mm -hmm. and the different places and characters and whatever that I like started the first few pages and just got where I was like, I'm not ready for this and like put it back down. (laughs) And I'm always glad when I do make that jump, but like, it's so hard. So I feel like that's my like little reminder to everyone. Like if you feel that resistance about starting something like A Court of Thorns and mm-hmm. Roses, just take the plunge. Just it's so it. good. I read it in like two days. Maybe. Yeah, I had that experience. I read, it'd been a really long time since I'd read a fantasy series like that. And I read um, V.E. Schwab's Darker Shade yeah. of Magic trilogy like back in March because I was actually going to be interviewing her. And so I wanted to you know, familiarize myself with the sort of most popular set of her, of her canon. And, uh, it was the same thing where I was like starting it. It was a little easier to ease into because it's three Londons and one of the Londons is just Victorian London. Mm. So you have like a baseline of familiarity. Um, but it was the same thing where I was like, whoa, whoa, I have to figure out like how these worlds and all these characters and different countries interact. And, and then once you get into it, oh, if you haven't read those, they're amazing. They're no, really, really good. Uh, and she's just a really, really cool author and has a really fascinating outlook on a lot of things. I think so loved interviewing her. I think you'd like her, Jane. She has some books just about villains. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Know I know Vicious I is one of them. I forget what the other. Vicious and Vengeful, is that it? it well, Vengeful's coming out Vengeful's this coming fall. Out. Yeah. yeah. But the Darker Shades of Magic trilogy is great because um, one of the main characters is Lila, who's a cut purse pickpocket from Victorian England who gets sucked into this magical world um, and finds that she she's like, this is what she's always wanted to do with her life. And she's, I don't know if it would be fair to call her genderqueer, but like she, she doesn't like to wear dresses or women's clothing. She's very leans into the more masculine side of things. Mm. Um, and she is someone who uh, Victoria has talked a lot about readers or people saying she's unlikable and Hmm. she's sort of fired back like would if lila was a man would you say the same thing Mm -hmm. it's definitely one of those characters great okay the other we don't have necessarily another book in common but we've both been reading sarah mclean and we had a whole conversation about mclean (laughs) no i only see it written and then this this trips me up i'm like i know these authors names and then you start saying it out loud and you're like i messed that up horribly and it's only Mm. seven letters but Try recording an audiobook and realizing to your utter uh, embarrassment that there are lots of words you write with regularly that you don't know how to pronounce oh, uh, or that you mispronounce. <laughs> and they have to stop you and be like, that's not how you say that. And you're like, you're I'm like, mortified. I swear I'm literate. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, I'm, I meant to make a list of it because there were at least like eight or ten words that I said incorrectly that I write with on a regular basis. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. Wait, okay. So what's, what's your Sarah McLean? So 
I've been, you are, do not have my self-control apparently. But, I, no, I don't. <laughs> um, we both have <laughs> Wicked in the Wallflower and I've been making myself wait to read it because I have I've this bad habit too. of Guys. like, I'll blow through it like a month or two before we do the interview and then I'm having to refresh my memory by the time we get to oh, it. Oh no, so, you might have to read it again. Yeah. It's no. so good. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to wait this time. So I've been like waiting and I was like, all right, the week of, I'm going to let myself read it. So, but I was like, no, I need it. So I went back and made sure I had read everything else that she's written and was doing the rule what's the series called rules, rules of scoundrels, scoundrels. yeah yeah so good so i just read that series but the it's the fourth one never judge a lady by her cover yes i think was my favorite yeah and i read that one recently too um, um they've got like a gambling hell and yeah. the the person who's running it is a woman but no one knows that Such she's like created reveal. this fake male character and yeah. um but is also kind of playing a, a madam so that she can walk around on mm -hmm. the gambling floor. And yeah, the hero is just, I love him. And he is like trying to defend her against herself, which was such an interesting <laughs> dynamic. He's like, what does he have over you? And she can't tell him that like this person is really her. Uh -huh. and that was just, I hadn't quite seen that play out that way uh -huh. before. So love, love, loved it. And can't wait for yeah. Wicked in the Wallflower. Oh my God, <laughs> Wicked in the Wallflower. So I did read it. I demolished that book. Oh. It is so good. It's so good. Um, I remember reading that she had, I, I don't know if this is the one that she sort of rewrote the hero um, after Trump was elected. Cause like, no, it was the book before. It was this. the book before. It was Day okay. of the Duchess, the one that came out uh, about this time last year. Okay. Well, I've just noticed that, um, so the hero's name is Devil. It's, it's not actually Devil, but he goes by <laughs> Devil. Um, yeah, and he is the this criminal lord in Covent Garden who ends up, for nefarious reasons, trying to hook up this wallflower with his brother who he hates so that he can just like ruin everyone's lives. Um, but he falls in love with this woman he's using in this plan. And he could get really, like he does some pretty awful stuff, but he could get really overbearing and alpha and all that. But instead he was sort of sensitive and he was a little vulnerable. And I just thought he was such a delightful mix of characteristics that I wasn't sure I'd I'd read like the you know criminal mastermind who like rules over all he sees but also is just like kind of sweet and like validating so it was great and it has like a really ridiculous groveling scene if people are into groveling Ooh, I like a good grovel <laughs> but yeah we will also have a full episode talking about the book yes. and yes, all things will. Sarah McLean. so yeah. keep an eye out for yeah. that one. Oh my god and just like her I know I'm, I'm gonna stop talking about this book any second now but um <laughs> she uh she did all this research into like historical locks and like lock picking and like picking the unpickable locks and also the ice trade of, in England and huh. like how ice is transported. So these guys are like ice smugglers. So I haven't read it yet, but I interviewed <laughs> Sarah uh, right before or right after Christmas uh, when we were doing the cover reveal. And she was telling me that inadvertently the ice component was sort of inspired by Frozen oh, because her daughter has been watching it ad nauseum and she thought that Kristoff was like this cute hunky romance guy and he's got like the whole like ice trader component to him so she's like I didn't realize this was happening but it sort of creeped into the book that's great <laughs> It's just, it's like, yes, this was inspired by Harlots and Taboo and Frozen. <laughs> so 
make for the best story. Yeah. Okay, okay, you can clearly tell that she's imagining Tom Hardy <laughs> because it's like bald Tom Hardy is sort of what the hero looks like. I can't wait to do fuck Mary Kill with her and throw Tom Hardy in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just well, watch her. Yeah. She's, I mean, sh- we know she's going to like marry him, yeah. right? Because she did say Tom Hardy actually inspired one of the other brothers, that this was oh, not the really? Tom Hardy book. She did tell me mm. that. Oh. But she was like, it's fine if you want to imagine Devil oh. as Tom Hardy. I'm cool with that. He <laughs> sounds like Tom Hardy. Mm. Anyway, I liked having a like a shorn hero, too. He was like bald mm. and mm. old facial scar, and he has this cool cane he walks around with. But I just wanted to say, before we move on from the amazingness that is Sarah McLean, that the Never Judge a Lady by her cover is my favorite cover of any romance novel cover mm. because it's just so untraditional and cool. And she's so powerful. Yeah. 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 I'm That's good with it. Um, side note, our listeners are the greatest. And after this equivalent last episode that we aired um you guys were so fantastic with all the recommendations we got some really good emails and messages and keep those coming my tbr pile is going to smother me at some point but (laughs) some of the books in in this episode have come from that and one of them was lee kramer suggested to us um I was looking for a hot brother menage, if you guys remember, in our last episode. <laughs> Jenny likes it a little bit. I've gotten some good ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Lee Kramer pointed out it's not exactly brothers, but that Sierra Simone has uh, a series, the new Camelot series, and she suggested reading that. And I was about to, I downloaded it and was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then Sarah McLean was like, oh, but is it Priest? Have you read Priest yet? And I was like, no. That's the one I'm reading right now. So I stopped and I read <laughs> Priest first and holy shit, like we're going to come back to New Camelot. And actually, side note, Lee Kramer's new book just came out too, A Storied Life. I have not read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So we should look into that. But yeah, Priest. <sighs> wow. Yeah. It's basically this young priest who's trying to, you know, overcome a, the tarnished past of his his parish yes that sounds right you do when you're catholic okay um and ends up sort of falling for this woman who he really wants to get Uh sexual with and then it turns into like bdsm catholicism he's like like a dom priest yeah he's like a dom priest but like god kind of is kind of into it yeah Um, yeah. oh man right that's i read my description and i was like i'm gonna pause on this other thing and read this right now the thorn birds was like my gateway drug to romance so like my deepest darkest romantic fantasy is defrocking a catholic priest they do it on the altar like i think he he ass fucks her with like <laughs> holy oil as lube like guys if you're not into the like filth this book is not yeah. for you but, like and, sierra simone uh, is not for you if you are you're gonna like bow down to this woman what like, was amazing she, uh, is that somehow it wasn't sacrilegious right. it i mean i'm not catholic yeah i'm so not i mean i'm not either I may so like deeply I offended am. if i was <laughs> and you're still and i'm like sweating over but here. it's it's very much like the emphasis of like god is love was yeah. sort of the the message of it and he still wants to be a good priest and he's still a devout guy and like he's introducing this girl to religion while ass fucking her with like holy waters lube i guess uh- <laughs> i mean i am definitely like the definition of lapsed catholic i barely go to church i don't buy into a lot of the doctrine but 
I will. And a part of that is because of the whole celibacy and no female priest thing, because yeah. I mm-hmm. think both of those are silly. And other religions have like since been uh, agreed with me and been like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. So he even points when, that out. He's like, the Protestants have been doing this for ages. They seem fine. Yeah. <laughs> when he's such a good influence as like a religious figure, well, mm-hmm. as a religious leader in his community and has like turned it around and is bringing people back to the church and doing stuff with the youth and it's like you want him to be able to keep doing that. And that's his conundrum is like, I'm going to have to give all of this up for uh, a woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do I live with that? And it, yeah, and she's such a good character because mm-hmm. um, I remember talking to Leah from the Rip Bodice about wanting more empowered, submissive women mm-hmm. who are like, yeah, I'm a sub and I know it and I'm good with it. Because usually when we see it in fiction, it's like the man introducing it and she's kind of just doing it to make him happy. Like, oh, okay, what do I do? And he's like, bend over. Yeah. And this chick is like, no, bring it. Like, yeah. she's she encouraging like, it. and like She's like masturbating in the confessional oh. and like... <laughs> Uh, and see i love that i i really want to read this now because father ralph in the Thornbirds is not like that i mean he's a good man but like he wants to be a priest and continue with the priesthood because of his own ego and to like Mm. see how far he can get in the vatican it there's less like i need to serve my parish going on Mm. and more like can I become the Pope kind of thing? Have you yeah. ever read, uh, this is going to be crazy, Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women. <laughs> what did we just get there? Sharp okay. left Wait, turn. Nope. <laughs> I've got whiplash. I okay, need a okay. Louisa May Alcott wrote this like, um, like gothic romance thriller called A Long Fatal Love Chase. What? Where like this, um, yeah, and where her like heroine is taken in by this guy who like reminds her of Mephistopheles and he's like hunts her across the continent because he he's passionate with love and then there's a sexy priest is how we got here. So I was curious if you'd read it because there that sexy priest made an impression and I really wanted the sexy priest to be defrocked. Oh. As, anyway, one does. They, as, anyway, as one always should does. Be. A Long Fatal Love Chase if you want to see Louisa May Alcott get a little freaky. Oh, okay. But yeah, so Priest is smoking hot and still like emotional and not sacrilegious as far as I was concerned Mm -hmm. and like sort of spiritual and just like that you can bring that level of filth and still have a really powerful story. I Mm -hmm. was amazed by. So then I was like, yes, more, more, more. (laughs) And immediately jumped into American Queen, which is the first book in the new Camelot trilogy. And fuck me like this i'm i I don't even know if i can stay sitting i'm so excited about this trilogy i'm like borderline (laughs) obsessed with sarah simone now and it's like okay pause jenny take a deep breath and let's explain (laughs) what it is um she's taken the characters from camelot and dropped them into modern day and so we've got arthur is the president of the united states and lancelot is his vp and Guinevere is their love interest, obviously. She's a professor of, like, whatever you call Camelot studies. I can't remember. Oh, like <laughs> medieval. Studies. Yeah, something, something, something like something. that. <laughs> and she's a submissive. And uh, she it, it, and this is why Lee suggested it to me, because they're not brothers, but they're, they were at war together. So they're sort of soldier brothers. Band of brothers. Stuff. And... Band of Brothers Minaj is now. Yeah, so now we end up with the Minaj between the three of them. And it just, like, not only does it have that same level of just smoking hot that Priest does, but it's like this emotional dynamic between the three of them. Like, 
there is a genuine love story between like all ends of the triangle that like they love each other and the the two guys love each other and fuck the shit out of each other and they all fuck each other and but it's like their love doesn't make sense without all three and I think a lot of the time it's hard with the menage to really make the happily ever after make sense because it's like how does this really work with three we're not really geared to understand that but with them by the time you get there it's like of course like they can't exist without each other Mm. and it's just like the the subplots that are going on are so deep that you're like in tears by the third book and and do, I, do the men fuck each other? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have, <laughs> That's what I've been waiting for. We have double vaginal <laughs> penetration, ladies and gentlemen. Double vaginal? Oh, yeah. We don't that just have seem... DP. We've got the double vag. That and... sounds logistically complicated. Oh, yeah, it is. But they get there. And it's, yeah, again. I'm going to need a diagram. If you're not into, like, it being... <laughs> the filthiest thing you've ever read then please stay away from it but if you are then it's amazing <laughs> um, i can't recommend it reading this immediately yeah no it's like one i i don't know if i should say this but i had i had to check in with sarah mclean because it, um i knew she had read it and one of the storylines there's like a an emotionally unstable woman and i was like oh where is this going and like it does go to a very dark place so i had to be mm-hmm. like pause like this is too real life for me like where is this going and mm-hmm. she reassured me and I knew what was coming so I could get through it but yeah just oh. one of the best things I've read in a very long time I I have always been obsessed with anything that's sort of a takeoff on Arthurian legend mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. R- was really into the myths of Avalon back in the day uh, I think that's what Sierra says uh, in her afterward as well like that was she's like I know it's problematic but yeah and it is because well, it's problematic because Marion Zimmer Bradley is, is like right. Ugh. Um, anyway, that's a bummer. But I feel like, like yes, of course Arthur and Lancelot are together. Like yeah, duh. Well, and <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing the the biggest piece of it that I loved I haven't even mentioned is um, you know I come from a BDSM background, mm-hmm. so. I try not to be too critical of the portrayal of BDSM in fiction because usually the people writing it, it's a fantasy and they haven't actually lived this BDSM experience. And I try to give them some leeway for that. This is the most authentic, amazing portrayal of BDSM in fiction I have ever seen by a long shot. Like it makes me reevaluate my own writing about BDSM. And like, I didn't go there. I didn't really reflect that intimacy Mm. authentically enough. And like, it just, she gets it. And I'm hesitant to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because I love you guys. But, um, you know, the question romance authors always get is like, oh, did you research your sex scenes Mm -hmm. in real life? So I'm scared this is going to sound like that. But like she knows too much. (laughs) (laughs) Like it. You can't get there from like reading a book yeah. or she knows stuff where I'm like, she gets it. Like she has lived this. She clearly understands like just the psychology of being a sub and a dom and that power play in relationships. And if you have any interest in BDSM, definitely pick this up because it's just such a window into that world and that experience with another person and how deeply that intimacy can affect you. And it's fine. I hate to admit this too, but I'm finding myself a lot lately sort of skimming the sex scenes in romance novels. <gasps> and I couldn't really figure out why I was like, why am I just not that like, I'm kind of reading it because it moves the characters forward, but I'm not like getting excited about it. And it's because it's, I think the mainstream sex portrayal that people want to see 
feels to me sort of superficial a lot of Mm. the time because you're not really surrendering any part of yourself and like that deep powerful intimacy and like Mm. really getting into that power exchange and it doesn't have to be like spanking like you know there doesn't have to be necessarily BDSM in it but like that authentic feeling of like really just raw powerful sex isn't always there for me and here it was just like I was floored so I'm gonna stop babbling about it (laughs) go read it guys Um, what else have you been reading, Maureen? Um, well, I finished the Forbidden Hearts trilogy ah. by Alicia Rye, um, Hearts to Love You. And I have to say, like, oh, what an end to a trilogy. I love her writing. I think she's amazing. The first book, I was just completely blown away by. The second one, I still really enjoyed, but I felt like it just wasn't as gripping I didn't become as engaged with the characters as the first one this one was like back to the beginning for me Gabe and Eve so I should explain that um there are these two warring families the Canes and the Chandlers who used to have uh own a grocery store together and became very wealthy and now they're warring families because there was a huge personal tragedy for both of them and that ripped them apart and caused a lot of behind the scenes awful stuff to go on and so what I loved about this is that it really finally ties up all those loose ends you find out the truth behind the personal tragedy that's been hanging over the family for all three books and Eve who has been this kind of quiet minor character in the background really comes into her own and becomes this very empowered outspoken woman who has suffered under Um, the emotional abuse of her father Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And she, like, through her relationship with Gabe, who used to be um, the housekeeper's son, and also just a lot of other stuff going on in her life. She learns to to find her voice and speak up for herself. And another thing I really liked about it was, I think, sometimes in romance, like, the characters who are the villains in people's life can get sort of unmerited redemptions a little bit to sort of – smooth the edges and that definitely doesn't happen here it's like her father was emotionally abusive and a terrible person and the family responds to him like 100 as they should and are mm-hmm. very courageous and brave to to do things the way they do mm-hmm. and i loved that um alicia just went there and doubled down on it and didn't try to sort of make it warmer cuddly in any kind of way and then lastly um Gabe's sister got introduced in this and then um Alicia's writing a new trilogy now and that sister is going to be the first in the new trilogy and I just instantly fell in love with her on the page and now cannot wait for this new trilogy oh, I wanted to have like a tv show about like these warring dynasties oh my god like, right kind of soapy. like Jane the Virgin but mm-hmm. But Alicia Rye's trilogy, it would yep. be the yep. best CW show ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else? Uh, are we reading anything else? Any of us that overlap? No, well, I mean, I've got... <laughs> <laughs> super coherent. <laughs> That's, that one is still sitting on my Kindle, so I need to... It's really good. It's, yeah. I'm, like, saving it for when I know I need a really good one. I DNF'd a book this time. I'm not going to talk about what it was, but that is really rare for me. I'll usually at least, like, blow through it. Can you tell us why, even if you don't tell us what it was? I just, I think, so it's portrayed as the first book in a series, but I think, I don't know. It was, like, all the characters I was supposed to know, and there was, like, some kind of dynamic that had happened before, and there was just so much of that, and, like, 
didn't really care about what was happening. I even, I got to like 70% through the book and was like, it, it was this scene where it was clear I was supposed to be emotionally invested in it. And it even said like, this is the moment she fell in love. And I was like, nah, don't really care. And I was like, I'm done. Like, Aww. And I almost DNF two in a row and yeah. like hate read the second one because I was like, I can't <laughs> DNF twice. Aww. Like I never do that. The last time I did that was like six months ago and I read a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I did that, I was like, okay, I'm, I've almost just DNF two in a row. I need to like go to a tried and true, like mm -hmm. who can I trust here? And instead of going to an author I had already read and knew was going to be good. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to like one of the legends who I haven't mm -hmm. read. And I actually went to two and some of our listeners pointed out after our last episode, I had been saying like need a cowboy romance, like some kind of you Western read a cowboy. Well, okay. So I've read a couple and they just like weren't anything. Yeah. They weren't terrible, but they weren't anything yeah. phenomenal. And everyone was like, have you read Beverly Jenkins yet? Because oh. historical Western, like, yeah. So I jumped over to that. I jumped over to Forbidden and was like, okay, I'm incorrect. And that's actually what I'm reading right now. So I can't talk too much in detail about it, but I'm already like enough into it where I'm like, okay, wow. Like I'm so excited that this backlist is as deep as it is and that yeah so I think Amazing. I don't know that anyone would call that a cowboy romance yeah I was gonna say that I but I think cowboy gets kind of tied up in western totally so I, I'm glad that I was pointed in that direction and that I'm definitely not going to be DNFing three in a row so. is that the first in her latest series yeah Urban? yeah so I reviewed the third one in January and it was really good it's a great great series yeah. um what's the third one called do you remember oh my god that's okay Titles i think it's so tempest or something it is it totally yes. is yeah i remember it coming out um but the awesome thing and so many romance writers do this so i shouldn't say that that's the awesome thing about beverly jenkins but one thing i love about her work is how much she finds real historical people and then will build her stories off around mm -hmm. them so in tempest there's uh, a black doctor working in Wyoming and it was based on a real man who was working in the 19th century and had this really incredible historical record and yeah so that's something I just really really love about her work oh, I'm excited I feel like I'm now gonna just binge read <laughs> Beverly Jenkins for a while the next episode is just gonna be me going through Beverly Jenkins what I've been reading yeah, just... <laughs> yeah totally uh what else do you have Sarah um I started reading and i haven't finished it yet uh it's called the red by Tiffany. Mm, this was a twitter recommendation it's on my um, kindle too i actually found it in like i think uh the modding maniacs group maybe oh could be yeah uh but it's by tiffany rice i think is gonna say your name right uh and it's it's odd it's like art history based erotica where this art gallery owner who needs funds to keep the gallery open has a mysterious late night visitor who just sort of appears and is like you know, about once a month, I just want to have crazy sex with you based on paintings. <laughs> and so it'll be like, um, I'm, I'm only a couple of the sex scenes in, but there's like weird, like gang stuff and like, there's minotaurs I haven't gotten there yet and it's supposed to be it's yeah, sort of like from what I understand there might be a little bestiality yeah in there. Yeah. yeah and it's one of those things where you, you can't tell it's how like much fantasy, is real and how much okay. is not yeah um and I think there's a paranormal element that explains mm. some of it mm. and so it's it's been interesting I'm struggling with it a little bit because I don't like I don't like the hero because like a weird guy walks in and is like 
I'm going to give you money and in return you'll give me all of your holes. And I'm like, well, that's not like the best pickup line I've ever heard, you know? Um, and I kind of need to... <laughs> like, it sounds like something Kanye West would say. Oh, God. <laughs> well, like, I just feel like I need to uh, root for, get root for characters. When I'm reading an erotica, I still need either like the element of like, hate sex if we're going to get to the sex right away or I need some kind of emotional connection to grab onto and not just like weird mysterious like potential ghost man who just shows up and is like gimme gimme your body (laughs) so I'm just like not finding it as hot because I don't find Mm. him hot and I don't find the scenario hot but I really like recreating all the paintings Mm. this sounds like Da Vinci Code erotica (laughs) Da Vinci Code (laughs) that is amazing I'm putting that in the bullet point of the show. <laughs> well, because isn't there like they recreate paintings in some of the in some of the death scenes I've, in I've that? I've never read it. Oh, I mean, weird. Angels and Demons no, is yeah, the yeah. better one for sure. Okay. So if you're gonna gonna go down the Dan Brown rabbit hole, <laughs> start there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. great. Um, so we've talked about how great our reader or listener recommendations are. And I think it was Michelle Jenkins suggested the idea of you by Robin Lee to me. And I love you for suggesting it, Michelle, but a heads up that it was not a romance (laughs) (laughs) would not have got a miss. It's totally on me for not realizing I'm a hundred percent joking right now and like loved the book. And I'll talk a little bit about why, but at four in the morning, I finished it. Like four in the morning, I'm up breastfeeding and like, I'm just, I've like saved this last little bit of the book. And I'm like, she's finally going to like get her happy ending. And she doesn't, (laughs) it does not have an HEA. And I was like, this is why I read fucking romance. Like (laughs) now I can't sleep. And like, yeah. So the, the concept of the idea of you is it's a like 39, almost 40 year old mother who takes her like preteen daughter to a meet and greet of the biggest boy band in the world. So it's sort of one direction level boy band and connects with one of the band members who is 20 years old, ladies (gasps) and gentlemen. Wait, this, I would love that. Yeah. So they start having an affair and they're like an (laughs) older woman, younger man. They're fucking all over the world. They're like going to all these exciting places and like having this really intense relationship, but there's a 20 year age gap between Mm. them. And, like exploring that was such a treat and just like the way we deal with older women and how like if it was a man I mean 20 year old 20 to 40 is just it's one of the toughest gaps to to Mm. bridge because like yeah it's legal but like once you get past your 20s you're like "Mm, you are a child (laughs) but he's kind of had to grow up a little bit faster because of that fame so it's this great examination of fame and the madness that comes with it and um, just the toll that it takes on your personal life and the people around you and how insane fans can be in that situation, but also just what it's like for older women. And she delves a little bit into the idea of older women starting to become invisible mm. and um, just how the response of the world towards you as an older woman changes, how like if you've been this hot chick and people have responded to you that way, your whole life and then you start getting older and you're not seen that way anymore it's like you're still the same person but mm-hmm. the world is reacting to you differently and mm-hmm. that's really strange um and the the main character she owns an art gallery so there's this big component of the art world in it that was really nice and um it's hot like it's it's sexy i was not skimming those sex scenes um, 
and like yeah i just i really enjoyed the book but heads up guys it doesn't end happily well because the whole time i was like man this is amazing she's somehow gonna pull a happy ending out of this like how is she gonna do it and she doesn't that's the answer is there a sequel where they end up happy no because they can't like he he needs to grow up and like he probably wants kids one day and like he just needs to be able to go through his 20s the way like Mm. we all do he's got to grow up and she's already past that point so while they have this incredible connection how do you pull that together like what does that look like going Mm -hmm. forward 10 20 30 years and um it's also a good examination of like parenting and the toll it takes on her daughter because her daughter has a crush on this guy and like then her mother is dating him and that's really she's at such a difficult age she's like 13 i think and Mm -hmm. like just how that influences things and then how like it it ends up in the in the press and everyone's all over it and they're Mm -hmm. like you know then it's like her daughter is having to deal with that at school and Mm -hmm. So then as a mother, she's having to like make this choice between like if she didn't have a child, she could say fuck what everyone thinks and like just ride that relationship out. But because it's taking such a toll on her family and, you know, her co-workers and all that kind of stuff, she makes that really tough decision to, to end it. But and of course he's 20 so like he doesn't want to end it and he wants to like leave the band and it's, yeah but they're just really great characters and it was just so refreshing to see a romance with an older really self-assured woman in mm-hmm. it and i use the term older for a 40 year old woman as like older than the 18 the 19 constant, 22 yeah, year old like not like saying that that's old because then i would go cry in the corner but <laughs> um, just that like the some of the differences were noticeable how like when you're really young in a relationship you'll just like throw everything to the wind and like you know leave work early on a day you shouldn't to go hang out with a guy or you'll Mm -hmm. change yourself for the guy or you know like your priorities just shift and seeing what it was like when this woman was like no I love my work and like you're interfering with that and like fuck you I need to be (laughs) at this show today like I can't just stop everything and go play with you child like sit to one side I'll fuck you when I get home (laughs) (laughs) I really it just that was nice to see and made me be like oh I wish I had had more confidence in some of those earlier relationships Mm -hmm. that I was in so yeah Yeah. not um on my initial list to discuss today but also another title that's not a romance, but an amazing read is My Oxford Year, which you guys mm, yeah. um, spoke yep, to Julia yep. on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And kind of in the same way that you were talking about the BDSM in the Sierra Simone books, I had my own Oxford Year Um it was not as romantically exciting as the character <laughs> in this book, but it was one of those things where I just in a very deep place in my heart and soul felt like I was seeing my hyper specific personal experiences brought to the page. Like Oxford is a really unusual, different place. And the culture shock going there as an American is not what you think it's going to be at all. And there's really no way to prepare someone for it until they experience it themselves. And I felt like all of those things that Julia put into the book were so true and present in my own experience that there were just times where I would have to put the book down and catch my breath because it was so reflective of a moment I had experienced while I was living there. Um, And she said since I think on Twitter or somewhere that she kind of wants to start a like Americans who went to Oxford living in America support group. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah. It changes you. It does. (laughs) Um, And there's 
experiences that only people who have gone there and done it can understand and a sort of a love-hate relationship with the place that is really unique to the experience it provides. But um, that wasn't initially on my list. What was, was a new YA title called Always Never Yours by Emily Wibberley and Austin Sigmund Broca. I hope I said his last name right. And honestly, the reason I decided to pick up this book is because their backstory as authors is the most adorable thing ever. They were high school sweethearts who bonded over their love of Shakespeare and literature and then went to different colleges, but like stayed together. And I don't know if you guys remember several months ago, there was an engagement at the Ripped Bodice. Like Mm. that's this couple. So they they write together and he proposed to her at the Ripped, like everything about them is amazing. And like its own little stop. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I decided to read it. And the book is every bit as charming and lovely and wonderful as their personal backstory is. It's about uh, a teenage girl, Megan, who thinks she's the girl before, like Rosalind in Romeo and Juliet, i.e., every Mm -hmm. guy she dates, like, finds the love of his life after, right after dating her. And so it's sort of her own journey to like, realizing her own value and worth and that she's not just some like girl to be tossed aside before people find their true love and what I really love about it is I'm a huge Shakespeare nerd and um, Shakespeare plays a very large role in the plot they live in Oregon near Ashland so Mm -hmm. they're going to perform oh I'm so jealous they're going to perform there and she's playing Juliet in her production of Romeo and Juliet and really struggling with understanding how to be that character when she's never thought of herself in that way. And another thing that I think is amazing about it is there are a lot of sex positive heroines in romance, but this is a sex positive teen heroine. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's something you don't get a lot of. And it's amazing, like the way that she talks about and deals with sex and her relationships is just something that I found really refreshing in a YA book. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, the other one you have on your list is Royals, right? Yes. Uh, Royals by Rachel Hawkins, mm-hmm. which I feel like part of my enjoyment of it was colored by the fact that I was reading it in very close proximity to the actual royal wedding. <laughs> um, but it is just a sheer delight. It's another YA and the heroine is very snarky and funny. Um, her sister is the one who is getting married to the crown prince of Scotland. And um, she has to go live in Scotland for the summer uh, to avoid being mobbed by paparazzi in her mm-hmm. hometown in Florida and sort of learn proper royal etiquette and stuff as being the sister of the girl marrying into the royal family, which you know, it's one thing if you're the person signing up for that. It's uh-huh. another if you're like a peripheral family member who's being dragged into you this against your will. <laughs> and so it's it's a really fun exploration of like how much being royal actually probably really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and her descriptions of Scotland are beautiful and wonderful. I've only been there a couple of times, so I can't speak to how accurate they are, but they're just really fun and they make you fall in love with the country and all the cities that she visits. And then then they must be accurate because everyone should love (laughs) it. And then just the way she writes is both the like snark and sarcasm of the heroine, but the way she describes things just really tickled me. Um, She calls the hero when you first meet him she says that he looks like a romantic poet who grew up to join a boy band oh my god i I can picture that yeah immediately maureen fell to her knees yeah i mean 
I was like, okay, so you just captured my type in a sentence. <laughs> Great. <laughs> like like skinny jeans and like a floppy tousled exactly hair to like the side. severe cheekbones yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Funny. looks like he could use a meal because <laughs> <laughs> you type you like I'm a little emaciated yeah um, <laughs> am I allowed to say I had a conversation with Maureen about her romantic heroes uh, like that type of hero's inability to carry a woman up a flight of stairs <laughs> <laughs> and I was like no sh- you're you're dispelling my <laughs> own romantic fantasies I had that so um. This is about being dropped while being carried. Uh, I was uh, in a play in high school, um, and the audition for it was actually my first kiss. And like, I, I got that part. Like, I Aww. was. Uh, what and was then it was the supposed play? to be. It was called. Oh my goodness. It was about suffragettes. I was a suffragette who'd end up marrying some guy, and it was all oh. um, it was all very romantic. And then he's supposed to carry me off stage, mm. and he immediately his knees buckled when he tried it, and then he dropped me hard on the ground. And I was like, "You can't carry me." He's like, "You're way too heavy." And I'm like, oh, "I'm like never gotten over it." <laughs> it was kind of funny because I was like really teeny at this point. Like this is like. 14 15 year old yeah. sarah uh and so then he ended up having to like chase me off stage like some <laughs> like like he's gonna tickle me or something but uh yeah the carrying over the threshold and mm. it sounds sounds romantic but uh if they're gonna drop you maybe maybe <laughs> skip it maybe skip it <laughs> when this isn't a threshold it's a flight of stairs up a yeah. flight of stairs yeah. i had a similar experience in high school where i was in a play it wasn't i had done several stage kisses before but it was another stage kiss and I had not had like a real life kiss off stage. So I was very self-conscious about it anyway. And my character wore this bright orange lipstick um, <laughs> oh, and no. I would kiss the other character and then he would have orange lipstick all, like all around his <laughs> lips. And, you know, as sensitive high school boys are, and I say sensitive sarcastically, he would like come off stage and be like, you're a terrible kisser. Like you keep missing my mouth and there's lipstick all over my face. And I in turn was really angry. And I was like, well, maybe if you didn't have such small lips, it would be easier to find. (laughs) And out there somewhere, he's never gotten over that. Like we're so bad to each other in high school. Yeah. I had so many kisses with people on stage before I ever kissed a real human. Oh yeah. Like I was constantly getting cast in kissing roles. (sighs) No, I was terrible. I was Titania. Titania. I've never decided how that should be said in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. And also Hippolyta as like the parallel to that. And we did it in high school and it was like, obviously because I'm talking about doing it. Um, I was supposed to be obviously like, she's this like very seductive, sexy character and I'm supposed to be kissing the, who's the donkey. Uh, At bottom. Yeah. So he was like one of my favorite little awkward guys in high school and we were like totally good. But then the guy I was supposed to kiss for, um, Hippolyta like the lights came up and we were supposed to be kissing and I didn't want to do it so bad that I would like deliberately miss my cue like every time (laughs) so that I would just have to be like oh oops I wasn't there in time and like (laughs) wing it and be like oh hug like it just I was so in high school so uncomfortable and I was just like this is I'm not okay with this I don't want to do it like yeah so and and again out there he's somewhere probably never got over that oh no I have a much worse experience than that though my freshman year of college I was taking intro to acting and I was doing the red coat by John Patrick Shanley which has like several kisses in it and my scene partner was great I requested a lot of extra rehearsal but (laughs) um, gotta get this right but 
like we were doing the scene in class and it was one of those where you like would do it and then have to go and rehearse more and make adjustments per the professor's advice and then come back and do it again Mm -hmm. and so she was wanting the kiss to be like more tentative and she was like think back to your first kiss and just going on and on for like five minutes and so finally I just got like really embarrassed and was like um well I don't really know how to relate to this experience because I haven't had this in real life I've only had stage kisses and she looks at my scene partner and in front of the entire class goes Brad look what you're doing for Maureen and I was just like no oh that's horrifying also who would think of their first kiss ever and want to recreate that like Uh, nothing anyone's ever done on a first kiss is is worth emulating it was because the scene was like a high school first kiss so it was supposed Mm. to be like that that awkward just open your mouth as wide as you can and like (laughs) yeah that's what I was gonna say I thought I was being eaten (laughs) it was like he sealed his mouth onto my face and then just like waggled his tongue around and I was like okay apparently this is supposed I'm supposed to like this so I'm just gonna take it my high school boyfriend had to teach me you're supposed to like open your mouth when you kiss because all the stage kisses were were like closed mouth because it was high school yeah Uh, and so I just assumed I was doing it right but guess what I wasn't yeah wasn't doing it right I mean is there a right way (laughs) Yes, <laughs> pilot fish. <laughs> la, 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 There's la. certainly wrong ways. Um, so she has had no time to prepare for this because I'm springing it on her. But we're going to do the rapid fire questions with Sarah. <gasps> what? Yeah. What? She, she's turning to Maureen because she thinks I'm about. I to thought get it was going to be Maureen. I figured this oh. was the only way to get like oh, God. real rapid fire. Oh, oh shit! Unprepared answers. You know what's weird me. is that I I haven't thought about my answers to these yeah I kind of figured that was the case (laughs) which I'm the total opposite because I listen to this in my car every Wednesday and then I like (laughs) sit and think in traffic about what my response would be Um, so Sarah what is the most interesting object that's in your workspace and I feel like you guys don't know Sarah as well as I do but yeah Sarah's got some crazy shit crazy shit puppets um yeah (laughs) okay okay so if it's um it's I have this like gilded. She's never gonna forgive me for this, but I have like a gilded Egyptian mirror, and I um I have a sword. I mm-hmm. have a couple daggers. Um, I don't know what the weirdest thing is, cause it's just nothing but weird things. <laughs> yeah, um, almost a normal <laughs> thing would be weird in your workspace. It really like, would be. What is the most it's, boring it's mundane the most thing boring. that you like, have? I don't know, like pen- a pencil? besides like yeah, uh, a mouse or a keyboard or something. Know. I don't know if I have mundane things. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Um, there's I've been working in the living room lately. And I just look over and there's like a brightly painted wooden skull right over like a, a bloody plastic axe that's just sitting in the corner. Fake, fake blood kids. Yes. Fake, fake blood. <laughs> I didn't. It's because I was, um, I did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies as a Halloween costume. Oh, so it's just my, my bloody axe from that. It just happens to we be in the We should put that picture room. on Instagram. Okay. We should. I it was a really good it. costume. Yeah. I want to um, see it. Anyway, so somewhere in the bloody axe bunches of swords category would be the weirdest object <laughs> in my workplace. Good times. Um, is there anything that you irrationally hate? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So this one, I've just been waiting for people to ask me this one. Um, I hate Buckle when... up guys. What? Buckle up. Sarah's I got hate an when fruit does not like stay in its lane. Like if fruit is in dessert, I feel betrayed. What? Like fruit does not belong in dessert. Fruit does not belong in other foods. Like get it out of there. Give, give us some examples. Okay. So like if you have a cake and there's like a little layer of like uh, raspberry yeah. frosting in the middle of it and you cut into your cake and then yep. you eat raspberry and you're like, I have been deceived. I want cake. Not. I want cake. I don't 
want no, fruit. it makes the cake better. No. If I wanted fruit, I would eat some fucking fruit, but I don't. Like, yeah. I want chocolate. Like, don't you lie to me and stick, like, cherries in your chocolate what and tell like me pie, that's acceptable. Though? Like, yeah. are we down with pie? Well, I don't really like pie. Yeah, I feel like... But, like, it's... Sarah has, like, a hard line on this. Like, yeah. I remember even we were recording one day, and I think I offered you, like, a lemon bar, and you were like, no, there's fruit. And I was there's like, fruit, but there's no, not, lemon. like, lemons it's not, in it's it. A, no, <laughs> it's like it should be, it should be, like, a... It's it's the same. I um I really love poppy seed muffins, and I'm kind of outraged that you can't really get poppy seed muffins without the lemon component mm-hmm. because it's just get it out of there. That's a baked good. Like that's not a fruit. Yeah, get like, it out. I'm deeply offended by raisins and cookies. Yes, oh, like, it's a trick. You guys are it's a trick. missing out on so many. Oh my god! Things. I found I'm one like, other. I person can't just have an oatmeal with... cookie without raisins in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I found one other person at a dinner party once who felt the way I do about fruit, pretending to not be fruit yeah. like pretending to be dessert um and that was really validating because everyone thinks i'm crazy <laughs> i'm like i'm with you on the cake but i don't take it quite as far as sarah does like i'm down with the pie i love fruit and dessert but i'd like draw the line at fruit being put into savory things that it doesn't belong in yeah like i was watching uh jada de Laurentiis make something yesterday on tv and she was making a frittata and then she cut up a peach and put it in the frittata with no. chives and i was like what is that doesn't this? belong that doesn't belong god this sounds like my my two-year-old eats the most random shit together and the other day he was having sardines and peaches at the same <laughs> oh, time oh no and i was just like i am not okay with this <laughs> oh no okay um, yeah, I know there's other things I hate, but that's the one that just always springs to mind. Yeah. Um, the zombie apocalypse oh, is happening, God. and you can only save one work of fiction that you didn't write. What would it be? Fuck. Um, see, this is the one that I always dread because I'm, I'm bad at picking. Mm-hmm. What's the first books? thing that comes to mind? Uh, the first thing that came to mind is the Song of the Lioness quartet. Oh, by that's a good Sears. answer. So good. It because, was really influential for you. Yeah, it was really influential. And um, you would want that influence for other young women. Yeah, for other young women. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. Song of the Lioness. I like that answer. Thank you. <laughs> I will let you off the hook with the three historical women question unless you want to answer it. Let me... We can hmm. do favorite book boyfriend instead if you... Oh, I definitely have a favorite book okay. boyfriend answer. Give me a favorite book boyfriend. Okay. Uh, so once again, George from the Song of the Lioness <laughs> was my imaginary boyfriend when I was like eight. Um, he is the like, king of the thieves, and he's kind of rascally and like a bit of a little naughty guy. He cuts off people's ears. He has like an ear collection. <laughs> Hot. Yeah, yeah. His rule, his rule was like, if you cross me once, you like get a warning. Cross me twice, I take an ear. Cross me three times, I take the other ear and everything attached. And I'm like, that is a good policy. Mm. <laughs> um, anyway, he's just like, he's very rascally and he's very supportive and he just wants to be with like this strong lady knight and he's perfect. So he was my first book boyfriend. But these days, I would probably say Reese from Court of Thorns and Roses. Mm. Mm. Yeah. He's tough to beat. Yeah. He's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Pretty hot. Um, would you rather be forgotten or hatefully remembered? <laughs> On this one, um, maybe forgotten, maybe forgotten. Like it depends what they hate me for. I think Helen Huang saying like, like, is it for something that I don't mind being hated for? Like, if mm. someone's gonna hate me for being like super successful and like beautiful and like talented and everything that they're because they're so jealous of yeah. how amazing I am, then like, yeah, like I'll be hatefully remembered. Mm. I think that's a good way. Of okay, let's it. go with that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I should turn it over to Maureen to ask oh, yeah. some of these oh, yeah. So you can jump in with number six. Okay. Well, I want to know who was your first celebrity crush. 
Antonio Banderas as Zorro. Ooh, oh, that's a good very one. good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I feel like I had a simultaneous crush on him in that movie and uh, what's the Welsh actress? Oh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes. Yes. Her oh, fencing yeah. in that yes. movie. Oh my God, me too. And she's just beautiful with yep. like her dark hair. and. So uh, I, I want, desperately wanted to be here. I remember asking my mother when that movie came out. I was like, Mom, will I, do you think I'll ever look like really beautiful like Catherine Zeta-Jones? And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what she meant was she's like, oh no, you just like look more all-American, you know? And I was just You're like, not going to have her exotic. I know. I was like, basically like, mother, can I ever like change my shape and just be like the most mind-numbingly gorgeous mm. woman on the planet? Uh, but the the no kind of destroyed me a bit as a child. It's <laughs> like maybe maybe don't be quite so truthful. <laughs> These are the moments as a parent that terrify me because you look at it objectively now and you're like, oh, like she shouldn't have said that. But like, how many conversations? It was just an offhand conversation right. for her where like yeah. the kid said yeah. something and she's like, no. And then she tried like, to salvage it. She you. was like, no, maybe. More like Julia Roberts, and I was like, oh, I look like <laughs> <Roberts>. <laughs> uh, um, okay, I'm panicking now because I don't know that I'm prepared for this fuck Mary Kill game. Oh, so, wait, did you pick any of my favorites? Well, okay, so my initial offering was all right, I'll just do what I do to everyone else with Idris Jason and Chris Evans, mm-hmm. but then I was like, no, I need to be more Sarah specific. Mm, okay. Rufus Sewell, yeah. Chris Evans and George Paul Bettany maybe oh I should have uh, thought of Paul Bettany yeah. okay so there's your three okay fuck Mary kill Rufus Sewell Paul Bettany Chris Evans oh no why did I just yeah, do that to myself <laughs> um, it's happening now I think I would marry Rufus Sewell okay I, I was gonna drop the mic and leave if you said anything else there I was prepared my fingers <laughs> you know, I, were like I feel really bad for Paul Bettany because I do think I would still fuck Chris Evans. Mm. And I think I would have to murder Paul Bettany. Mm. Poor Paul. I yeah. know. Chris Evans would definitely die for me in that one. But yeah. I don't get the Chris Evans thing. I think it's someone just... sent me a picture of him like bearded and shirtless yeah, recently. And beard, I was like, the, yeah, beard, the beard makes him a beard little more masculine The beard's an me. improvement. Like, yeah. have you, did you? No, you probably haven't seen Infinity War. I have not. When I'm he like first six Marvel movies behind appears in Infinity War, he's like on a train platform in Edinburgh in shadow, and it's just like his hulking form with the beard. <gasps> and beard. literally, I had like a physical reaction okay. in the audience. Yeah, I was you're, like, "You're getting me interested." Oh, Do you remember the um, the in Black Panther? Some girl like snapped the her retainer. retainer because she was like, when uh, Michael B. Jordan showed up shirtless, she went <laughs> and she bit down so hard she broke her retainer. I think he paid for it to be replaced. He did. He did. <laughs> it was a whole thing on Twitter. That is hilarious. I missed that completely. Um, okay, Maureen can jump in there. With the yeah. Movie. So we're going out to a bar together. Okay. What is your drink of choice? Probably an old-fashioned. Hmm. I like whiskey cocktails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of whiskey? Well, if I'm just drinking whiskey straight, I'm a scotch girl. Okay. So. But in a cocktail, we're talking whiskey. In a cocktail, it's got to be bourbon. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Um, you could just oh, do the next well, two. Well, my favorite question, me with the Harry Potter tattoo, what Hogwarts house are you in? I am Gryffindor. You know, I always thought I was going to be Ravenclaw, and then I've always t- tested Gryffindor, and I've just come to embrace it. Mm. I did one that was like percentages once, and it was like Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Slytherin were all pretty close for me, mm. and then Hufflepuff was way on the bottom, which sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I can see it. See, but Gryffindor is great because now you can just wear all of your USC gear and say that it's Gryffindor. Yeah, 
it's great. No, I've come to embrace Gryffindor because the kind of like idealism and like being willing to stand up for what you think is right and kind of brave and enterprising. I'm like, yeah, I, I aspire to be that. Like basically <laughs> I aspire to be Hermione at all times. Yeah. Um, and I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If you took Hermione out and objectively looked at it, you'd probably call her Ravenclaw. But then if you mm-hmm. really look deeper, there's mm-hmm. Gryffindor there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's you. Mm-hmm. I see it. And invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. 100%. I have yeah. thought about this one. Uh, yeah, I just want to like skulk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love the variety of answers to invisibility that we get when we ask why. Where yeah. a lot of them are like, I want to go to museums at night. Or, <laughs> I want to you know. like lurk. I want to break into places I'm not supposed to be. I want to like, you know, just just be like a little tricksy. I don't know. Yeah. I always wanted a, as a kid, I had this aspiration to be an art thief, but like, a, like a white hat art thief, so I would like break in to test museum security systems was how I justified it to myself. <laughs> but like the idea of just like sneaking around and like breaking into places and like scaling buildings, it just seems really appealing. Yeah. And so maybe I should have answered uh, like. <laughs> So it was like, oh, super strength, and then I can help with disaster relief. And I'm like, I am not that good yeah, a person. Yeah, we get these answers, and I'm like, oh, I'm oh, terrible. Awful. <laughs> irresponsible with my superpowers. Yeah, so I would be invisible so I can lurk. I like it. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, if you are looking to find any of us on mm-hmm. the, the interwebs, the, the show is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at WCKD Wallflowers. Mm-hmm. And our website is wickedwallflowers.com. And Sarah and I are both on there if you want to come find w- our personal Wickedwallflowersclub.com. You are correct. <laughs> Thank you, Whoops. Sarah. <laughs> uh, and then Maureen. And you can find Maureen. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Maureen Lee. T-H-E-M-A-U-R-E-E-N-L-E-E. That's me. And she's got <laughs> all of her cool Entertainment Weekly Yep. articles and yep, yep. it always impresses me who she gets to talk to <laughs> who's your favorite person to talk to so far oh, no pressure oh my gosh uh I mean I feel like I have different favorites for different reasons but I guess probably Mindy Kaling because mm. she's like a huge personal hero of mine and a lot of why I want wanted to be a writer and ended up going to grad school for journalism was because I fell in love with her writing and her voice and point of view. And mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to do that in some capacity. And so getting to talk to her, I got to tell her that. And her reaction was like, so far surpassed what you would hope for in telling someone that. Cause I feel like usually if you tell somebody that they're just kind of awkwardly like, thanks because how do you respond to that like that's like a lot to put on a person but she was just like really ecstatic and and nice about it and like a really cool human and I was really worried that she would somehow like fall short of my massive expectations and she did not at all she was amazing and a great interview and um yeah so her um I really I want to retcon my fuck Mary kill really quick because I realized if we had kept Idris Elba in there Instead of Paul Bettany, I would have fucked Idris Elba and killed Chris Evans. Oh. oh. So I just wanted you to know that. Interesting. I'm mm-hmm. glad you shared that. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, sitting the record that's straight. important to me. I just have <laughs> to say, listening to this week after week, I like Idris, I, I definitely get more than Jason, but I, like I have never been remotely interested in either of them. So like oh. I find the re- continual response of whoever is up against them meeting their doom extremely baffling because they're so not your type like yeah, exactly. you like, talked about your type <laughs> and jason momoa would like snap your type so, <laughs> <laughs> to 
Momoa is you the villain in your for story. Lunch. Yeah, he's the, like hulking. Yeah, it not a lot, of, a lot of women are into that thing. Not for thing. Yeah, anyone talks shit about Jason, I'm like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> like I objectively I understand his, his appeal, and, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just it. like, mm. yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on that note. I think we are we're done yeah. here so join us next week and we will get maureen on the spot with these questions Ooh, one of these times yeah, she's yeah. not gonna know when it's coming oh. <laughs> all right thanks guys